The year is 1990, and a killer is on the loose in Gainesville, Florida, a man who would murder five, all students. Without smartphones, the only information came through newspapers, TV, and radio. Over the span of four days, panic gripped the city and University of Florida. This is Four Days, Five Murders, and I'm Camille Respis. The man responsible for the nightmare is often remembered. And the victims' names? Krista Lee Hoyt, Sonia Jane Larson, Tracy Inez Paulus, Christina Patricia Powell, and Manuel Ricardo Taboada. Are painted on a memorial. Many pass by daily without knowing why it's there. Throughout this podcast, we will rarely mention the name Danny Rowling. But no matter what we do, his presence hangs like a specter over this project. In the coming episodes, we explore the trauma a moment in time can have on people and places, and how long a tragedy like this stays in a place like Gainesville. It was um, very shocking. It was atrocious. LeGrand Hewitt is a former major for the Alachua County Sheriff's Office. My name is Diana Hoyt. He calls me up and I'm in bed asleep. And he just says, I got to come home. Chris has been killed. And he hangs up. The third victim had not shown up at the Alachua County Sheriff's Office to work. They thought she probably overslept, and so they sent a deputy sheriff out there to find the third victim. Spencer Mann, a former lieutenant and public information officer in Alachua County, and that third victim he's referring to was Krista Hoyt, an 18-year-old college student and Gainesville native who worked nights at the Alachua County Sheriff's Office as a clerk filer. Krista hoped to one day become a criminal investigator. It was some of her co-workers from the sheriff's office who were the ones to discover her dead body on August 26, 1990. Krista was the third dead body found in Gainesville in the span of one weekend. And I call Sadie, I guess about three in the morning, wake her up and, and basically Sadie, the big one is here. At the time, Sadie Darnell was a public information officer at the Gainesville Police Department. And said, what are you talking about? And I said, the one where uh, within the next 24, 40 hours, we're going to have national attention on Gainesville, Latchwa County because of, of what's going on. She had the most amazing blue-violet eyes. Uh, beautiful dark hair. Uh, she was somebody that was very particular with the way she dressed, uh, with how she looked, uh, that type of thing. And she was very particular with her grades. She only wanted straight A's. And if she accidentally got an A minus or a B, she would sit down and cry over it. <laughs> it you know, you would just see, oh, there was tears. You go, Krista, what's wrong? I don't know. I don't think I did very good on this test. <laughs> and of course she did. <laughs> You know, so she uh, loved all of her friends that she went to school with. She was very much um, active in all of their different things that they had at school. She belonged to the Young Explorers, especially through high school. 
which was with the sheriff's department and krista continued at the sheriff's office as she started college she wanted to work for the sheriff's department so she went to the first year of college at santa fe santa fe college is a community college in alatra county florida and she was able to get on at the sheriff's department and right before college had started she started working there the first of august and she did i think clerking filing that type of thing in there so at, and she always worked the night shift because that was the opening and then she was able to go to school during the daytime so that's what she wanted to be a crime scene investigator and as diana put it krista gravitated to the job because she was a problem solver I think she liked putting all the pieces of the puzzle together. Now it was up to her friends and co-workers at the sheriff's office to put the pieces together to figure out what happened to Krista. Now these police officers worked with Krista. They knew her personally. And that was a terrific crime scene that they had worked in all night long. And now they had to come out and tell us. And I just remember them pacing back and forth in the room and wringing their hands and they were just so upset. And we reached out to women Krista worked with at the sheriff's office in 1990. After thinking about it, both said no. 30 years later, Krista's murder is still so hard for those who knew her to talk about. We did, however, find archived interviews from the year 2000 that a then-WUFT reporter did with Spencer Mann and Sadie Darnell, two officers who were central in investigating the murders. People in this community that investigate homicides give it their all, whether it's a, a, a fellow employee or a member of, of somebody fam, somebody's family within uh, uh, a law enforcement community, but what it did is it you're trying to professionally investigate something but yet you have a personal connection with this person the sheriff's office added an employee assistance program for employees where they could get counseling on how to deal with the loss of krista and and you know a lot of times that's hard for cops to own up to do you know cops are you know by the nature you are trained to be in control at all times because that's the nature of the business is most part you have to be and so to try to control those emotions puts you in conflict with how you truly felt and we didn't have time to grieve back mm -hmm. then we had we were working 12-hour shifts uh, no days off you know so it was impacting deputies uh, I, I know to a point where some of the shift commanders realize that in order to get them counseling, they're going to have to step forward and say, well, I need some counseling too. And uh, so, you know, once some of the senior people started going forward, then a lot of the rookie deputies uh, that were impacted uh, felt more comfortable in getting some grief counseling. So, yeah, there was an impact there, and we had a, uh, uh, a law enforcement funeral to help put on right in the middle of all this too. So it impacted us uh, personally and professionally. We caught up again with Mann 20 years later. Now retired, those memories from 30 years ago are still fresh in his mind. It was a terrible time personally in many respects. Uh, I knew Krista before she worked at the Sheriff's Office. She was a Sheriff's Office Explorer and in the program there and uh, always had an infectious smile. Uh, she'd gone to work in the Records Bureau uh, on the midnight shift while she was going to start Santa Fe Community College. 
Uh, and uh, uh, so when her body was found, uh, not only was it uh, uh, upsetting uh, the scope of the murder, but it was something personal to a lot of deputy sheriffs and to a lot of support staff at the sheriff's office. In addition to Mann, there was LeGrand Hewitt. My name's LeGrand Hewitt, and I'm a retired major for the Lachua County Sheriff's Office. And Waylon Clifton. At the times of the homicide, obviously, I was the police chief in Gainesville. Clifton died at the end of May. He spoke to WUFT about the murders back in 2000. And Sadie Darnell, who also spoke with WUFT in 2000. Well, the first call came out at the Williamsburg apartment complex for the uh, victim Sonia Larson and Christina Powell. Darnell is the current sheriff in Alachua County. She declined an interview for this podcast. Back in 1990, she was a public information officer at the Gainesville Police Department. It's very rare in Gainesville to have a, you know, a double murder, but that's what this appeared to be and nothing more than that. It did not appear to be anything more than that to me until I got the phone call from Spencer the next morning, actually. I remember very vividly calling Sadie Darnell at the second crime scene early that Monday morning and said, Sadie, we have to ramp up, gear up, because this is going to be a national story. And Mann was right. A double homicide was large enough for this college town. But a third murder? After Krista's murder, Gainesville had something big. A serial killer. During the first week, Sadie and I received over 600 telephone calls a day from media around the world. It was physically impossible for us to feel those calls as well as, you know, the uh, just the large pack of media that came to town. We had them from French television to the London Times to South American television to uh, Japanese media. In Gainesville are front page headlines of major Florida papers like the Tampa Tribune, St. Petersburg Time, Orlando Sentinel, but they're also on the front page of today's New York Times. We had a logistical problem. Where do we do briefings? Where do we place everybody? How do we try to manage the information? And it's not just newspapers. Television satellite trucks from around the state are beaming the story across the country with labels like Carnage in Gainesville and Co-Ed Massacre. And it wasn't that there were just all these reporters in town. There was a large multi-agency law enforcement investigation underway. The Gainesville Police Department, Alachua County Sheriff's Office, and Florida Department of Law Enforcement were all on the case. In the very beginning, it was pretty busy and somewhat chaotic with uh, the amount of investigators and law enforcement that was in town, the amount of media attention that the circumstances was drawn into our community, the anxiety that there may be uh, more victims and uh, more crime scenes. Again, LeGrand Hewitt, who was on the case from the beginning. I was called to the scene of Krista Hoyt's murder on the evening that they found her, and I was one of the detectives that was assigned to the case. He didn't know Krista personally, but he saw the impact her murder had on those at the sheriff's office who did. Well, I think it devastated the ones in the office that knew Krista personally and had watched her grow up through the um, Explorer program, uh, had worked with her and, and knew her very well. 
it was very devastating to them. And you could see it in their eyes when you were talking to her, trying to interview them on what they knew about Krista and trying to gain that victimology information from them. Devastation was one of many emotions flowing through the department. And there was a great deal of anxiety and fright that was going on, a great deal of fear. At this point, there had been three murders in just one weekend in this college town. Remember, this is not like New York or Chicago where there's a number of crazy people out there. There's only one. This fear spread wide to the college students, the surrounding communities, and the officers on the case themselves. I quickly learned from the victim profile that he was, the murderer was uh, victimizing young brunette women, petite. Again, Waylon Clifton, who was the Gainesville police chief at the time. My wife happens to match that description. She'd, she'll appreciate the fact I said co-ed age. <laughs> Uh, but I took uh, my wife and, uh, at that time, Lieutenant Sadie Darnell, who was handling all the press and the FBI, said if he has a fixation on anybody with the department, it probably will be Sadie Darnell. That he, Clifton's referring to, of course, was the killer who at this time was still at large. We got them a hotel room in the top of a local hotel, and fortunately the, the hotel owner gave us the whole floor, so we stayed there for quite a while. And you said before that you kept them under an assumed name there. Yeah, I kept them under assumed name, uh, made sure we had police officers uh, that knew their location. And when I couldn't be there, then we had some police officers nearby. But Darnell couldn't stay in that protected hotel room forever. I lived out in the county at that time. I actually still do, but during that time when I was living in the county, I called the sheriff's office several times because either the power went out in my house and totally freaked me out, even though I had three dogs, a boyfriend, and access to several guns, I still wanted to have law enforcement there um, to check out you know, the backyard and all those kinds of things. So it was an incredible level of fear, and, and having uh, knowledge of the details as well as not knowing when it was going to end. That was the, the most disturbing thing for me, is not knowing when it was going to end. And as Clifton put it, It obviously heightened the anxiety because you had to work so much faster, think so much faster. Every time we found a victim, of course, that furthered the anxiety and, and our rush to get something done. We had two purposes. Initially, the purpose was to stop the murdering, make Gainesville, the Archer Road corridor, look like a police state if you moved, there was a police officer there. So we could stop the killing and buy us the time, which was a second purpose, to identify and apprehend the person that had been doing this so they wouldn't just leave Gainesville and continue to murder. But it only deepened the resolve of the police officer. And I think to an officer, man or woman, with any one of those agencies, the whole concept was they wanted to get a hold to the murderer. They wanted to stop him. And it wasn't just the police departments who played a central role in guiding the city of Gainesville and Alachua County through this tragic time. Gainesville is a college town, after all, and all of these victims were young students. It's hard for me to even begin to describe the feelings of fear and paranoia that gripped not only Santa Fe and the University of Florida, but the entire community. The, uh, the, the, the whole area of uh, Alachua County, Gainesville and the surrounding uh, counties were just gripped with and paralyzed by fear for a period of time. That's Larry Tyree, former president of Santa Fe College. When the student murders rolled around, I, I had been there all of uh, three months. 
In the immediate wake of the murders, Santa Fe College and the University of Florida temporarily canceled classes and encouraged students to go home over the Labor Day weekend, the first weekend of the fall semester. Santa Fe also pushed back deadlines for drop ad and tuition payment. That wasn't the only thing that changed at Santa Fe after the murders. Tyree addressed these new measures during a press conference in the weeks after the murders. I would like to assure our students and their families of several things. First, that our campus security certainly has been increased, and that increase will be maintained during the balance of this crisis as long as necessary. I'd like to assure our students and their families that our faculty members will certainly do all that they can possibly do to help students make up any work that is missed by scheduling extra classes and extra help sessions. Uh, I would like to assure our students and their families that psychological counseling will continue to be made available both for our students and our staff who have need for those services, and certainly that Santa Fe Community College will continue to maintain as much flexibility and all possible sensitivity in our students' behalf. This is obviously a time of great disruption and heightened anxiety. Every one of us in this community feels this. And right now, 30 years later, universities are grappling with a lot. I heard President Fox address our Board of Directors of the Alumni Association a couple of weeks ago, and he said, we have the 1918 influenza, and we have the 1929 depression, and we have the 1968 civil unrest. Well, all that is happening, that kind of thing is happening concurrently. But So somebody said this is the most challenging time to be a college president, and I disagreed. I said the most challenging time to be a college president is what John Lombardi and I faced in the fall of 1990 with five student murders. The start of the fall semester at the University of Florida carried a lot of promise in 1990. Everybody showed up for the start of classes. Everybody was in the normal sort of enthusiastic mode that we all are when we start a new semester. And then uh, tragedy hit. And, uh, and so immediately the campus uh, went into sort of an emergency mode. That's next time on Four Days, Five Murders. You've been listening to Four Days, Five Murders, a production of the Innovation News Center at the University of Florida's College of Journalism and Communications. I'm your host, Camille Respis. This episode was reported by Malia Leiden, Kristen Moorhead, Chris O'Brien, and me, Camille Respis. This episode was also edited by me, Camille Respis. Our producers are Josh Williams and Katie Heisen. Executive producers are Moni Basu and Ryan Vasquez. And thank you to the friends and families of the victims who shared their stories with us.